Today we're going to look, and speaking of all that good stuff with Jesus, we're going to look at Matthew chapter 28. We're going to do 1 to 10 and 16 to 20 verses there, and I'm going to read them for you. They'll be up on the screen, and then we'll have a little chat about them. And It goes like this. After the Sabbath, at dawn on the first day of the week, Mary Magdalene and the other Mary went to look at the tomb. There was a violent earthquake, for an angel of the Lord came down from heaven, and going to the tomb, rolled back the stone and sat on it. His appearance was like lightning, his clothes were white as snow. The guards were so afraid of him that they shook and became like dead men. The angel said to the women, do not be afraid, for I know that you are looking for Jesus who was crucified, and here's my favorite part, he is not here. He has risen, just as he said. Come and see the place where he lay. Then go quickly and tell his disciples he has risen from the dead and is going ahead of you into Galilee. There you will see him, now I have told you. So the woman hurried away from the tomb, afraid yet filled with joy, and ran to tell his disciples. Suddenly Jesus met them, greetings, he said. They came to him, clasped his feet, and worshipped him. Then Jesus said to them, do not be afraid, go and tell my brothers to go to Galilee, there they will see me. We skip to verse 16. Then the eleven disciples went to Galilee, to the mountain where Jesus had told them to go. When, he, uh, when they saw him, they worshipped him, but some doubted. Then Jesus came to them and said, All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Therefore go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, and teaching them to obey everything I have commanded you. And surely I am with you always to the very end of the age. Now, Christ, the resurrected Lord, is with us. And we, we say that, but do we know what that means? And he's a living and active presence in the church. And because of his re resurrection, Christ calls us to worship and to live in obedience, making disciples in our local communities by being his representatives and his example. Now, I don't know how many times you've heard this. I don't know if you watch any home improvement shows, but location, location, location. And it's a popular real estate motto that sums up an important aspect of choosing a property and, and, and location of central importance. And in Matthew, Matthew's telling us of the resurrection. He's retelling us of the resurrection. And he, he dwells on the significance of the location in respect to Christ. Matthew seems to ask, where is Christ located? Is he in the tomb? If so, the crucified Savior is lying dead in his grave. If, is he in heaven? If so, we do not have a resurrected Lord, but we have a transcendent one. Now, Matthew answers, Christ is not here, in reference to the tomb. And I pointed that out to you in verse 6. Nor is he ascended into the heavens yet, and rather, he has risen. He is not here. He has risen and is present among his disciples. And he talks about that in verse 17. And, he, and then he goes to say, and I'm here with you always till the end of the age in verse 20. So in other words, the resurrection and the following commandments of Jesus Christ in this scripture demonstrates something amazing and something startling. Christ is and always will be with us. He will always be Emmanuel. Emmanuel. Now, let's 
Let's kind of tie this together. Let's, Matthew mentioned this again, that Christ's being with us, in Matthew chapter 1, verse 23. And he says, The virgin will conceive and give birth to a son, and they will call him Emmanuel. Well, you're saying this is not Christmas. Well, guess what? It's all part of the plan. And then if we go back, so you say, well, that was Matthew. He already used, he already used Emmanuel, so that's not fair. We're quoting the same guy. Well, how about I pull something else out of the Old Testament? We'll pull it out of Isaiah chapter 7, verse 14. Therefore, the Lord himself will give you a sign. The virgin will conceive and give birth to a son, and will call him Emmanuel. Yes, Jesus, God with us. The setting of the resurrection is amazing. And it's the most important moment in the Christian religion and life. And it's, it's the early morning. Man, when I woke up this morning, this was on my mind. Because when Jesus left the tomb, and when the guards were there laying fearfully like they were dead, I mean, I don't know if that happened when I was standing there. I might have a little bit of a concern. But it was early morning. It was probably a nice, cool breeze like this morning. Maybe the sun was out. And you could just smell it this morning. I don't know what it was. It was, a, it was like a renewal as I breathed it in. And you know what I heard? Nothing. And it was awesome. And in this particular story, this happens in the early morning. No large audience, just Jesus, an angel, and he talks to a woman. Now, we all know at that time that women's, if they came and said something, well, they didn't value that very much. But he spoke to the woman first, to the women first. It's amazing. Even in Jesus' time, he was breaking down barriers. And you know in this church, we're strong support of women. Strong support of women. But the historical context here is amazing. And unlike some of his other miracles, it seems like Christ, he didn't raise from the tomb to draw some significant masses to faith. He didn't try to pull in large crowds. He was like the other miracles he did. He was showing things and doing stuff and they're going, whoa, I believe you did this. this is amazing. This one, he's like, no, we're going to do this quietly. I already talked about it, so we're going to do it quietly. And as in this particular gospel, it's not recorded super detailed, the, the uh, resurrection itself the gospel accounts push us to place our hope in the resurrection Lord in Christ himself rather than the miracle of his resurrection. Instead of focusing on that, we're focused on him. Because as you know, we like to make a religious event out of things. And although we are doing that and remembering that, I think if there was too much detail in the actual resurrection, there'd be a lot going on there. We would be trying to make it something else. Instead of focusing just on Jesus and what he did and what he said he would do, that he did it, we'd be so worried about how. We'd be focused on that. So that's just a little side note. But while this resurrection is central to our Christian faith, 1 Corinthians chapter 15, verse 17, and if Christ has not been raised, 
your faith is futile. You're, you're, you are still in your sins. So if that's not the case, if, if the resurrection is not central, then we must emphasize Christ's lordship in our comprehension of Easter morning on a regular basis. We must remember what he's done. His resurrection demonstrates not only his power over death, but also his absolute authority in heaven and on earth. Jesus' disciples, they fall and they worship him, but the resurrection Christ also calls his followers to make disciples. He calls them to be disciple makers. And that word in Greek is a key verb. It's an action word. It's something we have to do. And this is accompanied by the, uh, by the words go, baptize, and teach. This is no small thing. And that demonstrates the present nature of Christ's commands. This is active. It's an active command for all of Christ's followers that continue until his kingdom come. Now, I'm not a big reader of The Adventures of Tom Sawyer, but I, I'm, I know that many people have read it. And, and Tom Sawyer, uh, The Adventures of, Mark, uh, of Tom Sawyer, Mark Twain describes the funeral. And I don't know if you know this very well, the story very well, but Tom Sawyer and Huckleberry Finn and Joe Harper all fake their death. And... They're watching as others are mourning them and, and saying how they wished they had you know, done better and, and they're going to miss them and they were just all upset. And then the boys jump out and oh, all of a sudden, no, oh, they're alive and everybody's rejoicing. They're happy. They're excited. And while Christ did die, unlike the heroes in, in, uh, in Tom Sawyer, the fact is that Jesus is alive and he changes how we encounter and how we think about him, because he's present. Believing in the resurrection, he, he's not something of the past. We do not mourn a memory of a crucified Savior, but a living king that's in our presence and is Lord of our life. And so believing in the resurrection and the new creation means that those who relate to Jesus relate to him on a contemporary level, on a modern-day level, not, not a memory um, but as reality, as, as someone who's here, not just in our heads, not just in our thoughts, not just a figment of our imagination, but he's in our present life involved with us day to day. And that's why the church speaks of God, of Jesus as God with us, alive and active in every way. And all we do and all we say and how we respond, he is present with us through the Holy Spirit. And all of this, we must affirm that Christ is not in the tomb, as the angel does, but he is here. Jesus is here in the midst of us. It seems mystical. It seems odd. But when you really get into word and really pull out the truth and the understanding, he is here in our present time with us. Christ is working in us through the work of the Holy Spirit, the power of the Holy Spirit, and as we continue the mission of going, and baptizing, and making disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Holy Spirit, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, we're to teach them what he's commanded us to teach. The resurrection means that God is with us until the end of 
the age. He is with you this morning. And sometimes it doesn't feel like it. Sometimes when we're in our loads, it doesn't feel like he's there. But he is. I don't know if you've ever had a relationship with someone where they've been going through a tough time and all you do is sit there and listen to them. You don't say a word. Because sometimes you don't have the words and sometimes you shouldn't say any words. Well, that's how Jesus is with us sometimes when we're going through our struggle. He's just there. But we know from his word that he is faithful, he is loving, he gives hope, peace, love. He is with us all the way through. So if our resurrected Lord is with us, then we must follow the example of the women and the disciples that he interacted with in this passage. So first, what do we do? We must actively worship the risen Savior. And, and when, when I say that, you think of it as, well, I come to church. Yes, that's part of it. That's corporate worship. But individual worship is what you do in your thoughts, in your deeds, in your activities, how you treat people, how you are. That's how we worship. It's how we live our life from day to day as being an example for others to see who Jesus Christ is. So first we must actively worship. Actively worship daily. And again, it's not necessarily getting down on your hands and knees and worshiping. It's not necessarily coming to church. That's part of it. But it's every day listening for his voice, listening for his guidance, how we can reach out, how we can be that example, and how we can impact other people's lives. And secondly, we must obey the commission that he has set before us, what he has set us to do. In every aspect, we must do that. We must make disciples in our local and in an international context. So in your sphere of influence, wherever you are, wherever you've been, wherever you go, you are to be that example. We are not alone because he is with us. God, Emmanuel, is with us. And if we believe that truly, we can do anything. But I think what happens is when we read the Bible and we read characters in the Bible, you know, everybody wants to be Moses or Joseph, all the cool guys, right? I want to be a judge. I want to be all the main characters. But there are other people, everyday people doing everyday things, being an example, impacting people's lives on a greater scale. And when we work in these personal ways, individual ways, not setting aside corporate worship, not saying that, but when we do it individually, that spews out. So instead of waiting for Sunday and then everybody coming here and we just do this and then everybody goes home, when we leave here is the most important part. This is great corporate worship. Going to Bible studies, going to Christian concerts and all that kind of jazz, that's fun. But when we leave these doors, what are we like? What do we do? How do we act? Do people know? It's a tough world out there right now, especially with everything that's been going on. I get it. Back in my day, as a solid Gen Xer, solid to the core Gen X, 
man. We used to have this thing, and we'd say, what would Jesus do? I really hated that saying. <laughs> As a Gen Xer, I'm like, what a stupid saying. Because, and I'm sorry if you really like that, but I just didn't like it. Because it's like, I don't know. He did a lot of cool things. And he had powers and stuff. I don't have those. How am I supposed to do that? What I think would be better is what is Jesus doing? And how can I help serve that? What is Jesus doing in your life, in those that you interact with, wherever you go, whoever you, in, whoever you come into contact with? It could be a stranger. It doesn't matter. What is Jesus doing? We spend so much time complaining about what's going on that we can miss what Jesus is doing. I don't know if you know this, but during our lockdowns, did you know that God was still working? Why? Because he's God with us. Who? Emmanuel. He's with us. So just because we were locked in doesn't mean he couldn't move and do something. Yet, so many people took a hard stance and just went sideways. Let's regain that focus and find out what God is doing. What is he doing right now in your life when you leave here, look for it. If you ask the Holy Spirit to show you what he wants you to see when you walk out, it'll pop out like one of those paintings that are all fuzzy and you can't tell what it is, and then you have to unfocus, and boom, there's the picture. That's what it's like when God speaks to you. When you walk out these doors today, look for it. It could be just as simple as an individual part of worship where you walk out and you see a bird flying, and you're like, that's amazing. If you look at nature, it could be anything. But look for it. Look for what he's trying to show you. And then, the more you do it, the more you'll be used to it. We live in a fallen world. There's lots going on. God is with us, and he's working through our efforts He's working through our efforts from West Winds. And as you serve in the school lunch program, as you, as you continue to give your time, to give your money to that program, to youth programs, to kids programs, to young adults, to everything that we do here, to seniors, God is doing stuff in our communities. And we need to recognize that. And we saw it on Good Friday. We saw God move even with a whole bunch of people with a whole bunch of different views. But we all had one thing in common, Emmanuel. So today, because you have a relationship with the risen Savior, go actively make an impact with those that you interact with in every day, one person at a time. Let's pray. Father, thank you for this day. Thank you that we can celebrate the risen Savior. Help us as we move throughout our day that we will first of all worship you as you've told us to do. Love God, love our neighbor as ourself, and go. And let us 
see what you are doing around us and in us and through us on a regular basis. And as we get busy and as things start to kind of pick up, help us not to lose that. Help us not to get so busy and be distracted by our busyness. Let us still be in contact with you and move forward. In Jesus' name, everyone said, God bless you. I hope you have a great day celebrating with family and friends. God bless you. He is risen. God bless you. Have a great week and be safe out there.